Tyrone. Yo, yo. It's been a while. It has been. The uh, the listeners don't know the difference. No. Just because we've still been releasing every week, but this is the first time we've been back together. Like three weeks? Yeah, three or four weeks. Since before Christmas. Yeah. Because yeah. I know you don't want me to tell, you this, tell people this, but we had to switch studios and... <laughs> Ruined it. It's going to see if anybody actually yeah. noticed yeah. that like you're sitting in front of the wood I'm, wall. I'm the wood wall guy now. Yeah. You're going to be the sign guy once we once we put it up. Once we get it. What we should have done, honestly, I was thinking about this uh, on my way here, was you know how like some of the Barstool podcasts, they just have like the awkward dude in the background eating yeah. ice cream. Or oh, yeah. We should have had some just awkwardly holding the sign for the whole episode. <laughs> just don't mention him at all. That would be good. Just literally just stand there and hold Although it. Although that thing's a tank. You'd have to get yeah. some pretty jacked to, to hold that thing up yeah well rogue's doing what that uh that plate challenge where you gotta right. hold a 45 pound plate right. out they sure are yeah did you enter that did you do it no gosh no, no. they did they did this last year maybe yeah. even the year before but last year i know for sure because they did the echo, echo bike. bike yeah and that was the only one i tried just on my own just on a whim and it was horrible. i questioned horrible. some of those results well yeah the guy that won it did it in it was 50 calories and did it in 21 seconds. 21? 21. I thought it was 28, and I thought 28 was unrealistic. No, it was 21. And I, I watched the video, get... and I didn't, I didn't see. It didn't look like he was going that No, that's what I'm saying. Like Crazy. Like, so you and I did it yep. um, on the last Saturday suffering that we did. And I don't think I got a calorie until, until like seven seconds, seconds yeah. seven or eight seconds. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if there's a setting we're missing that I've I've had the bike for three years and I've never seen the setting. I don't know. <laughs> so I just at 21 seconds. I don't know. Yeah, I don't didn't know. Make sense. So anyway, uh, yeah. New studio, new yeah. song that we that we introduced this year came into. Yeah. Um, so excited about that. Yeah. Lots of new changes. 2023, new year, new us. Hey, that's right. We're gonna <laughs> we set we set so many resolutions. Yeah. <laughs> and we're all about just starting at the new yeah, year. And, that's right. That's and, right. Uh, making promises that that will last until February. That's right. We're gonna we're gonna over promise and under deliver. Yes, that's what we do around here. Yeah, we're just trying to fit in, guys. That's right. <laughs> uh, but what's happened since we last met? A lot of yeah. things happened, but yeah, what's happened? I think about our boy Darren. Yeah, and his big news. Come on. Yeah. Come on. So Darren, for those of you who don't know. Um, he is was just voted a finalist yep. for the Hall of Fame. First time he's ever first time been voted a finalist. He's been a semifinalist for like fifteen years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but never this far. So his last season was what oh six. I was just thinking about that. I think so. So eligible in I remember it was oh five. It was it was around there. Okay, around so the technically you're not eligible until your fifth year out. I was going to ask you how long yeah, it takes. So five years out, and then and then you become eligible. So um, let's just say 2009, he was eligible, or 2010. Yes. So that's 12 years 12 he's years. been yeah. waiting to hear his name called yeah. again. He's gotten far. He's gotten to the semifinals. Yep. But this is the first year he's gotten to the finals, which is 15 people. <laughs> yeah. 15 former players, and, and then they'll up to nine uh, vote up to nine that actually make it yeah. to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And honestly, like, look, I'm not just going to say this because I'm a Darren Homer, but I it's, am. It's, been, it's been a frustration since I've gotten to know Darren, right? And uh, I grew up, I grew up a 49er fan. I've, I've mentioned it multiple times. Uh, so I knew about the Cowboys more out of dislike than <laughs> it was like actually like watching them to enjoy it. And what I learned when I when I got to know Darren is I missed out on some unbelievable play. Like what yeah. he accomplished on the field um, was just remarkable. 
I mean, the all-time leading tackler for the Dallas Cowboys. So anytime you are the franchise leading tackler of all time, especially yeah. an organization that has the history of the Cowboys, like that's an automatic. Like that shouldn't be a question. Even like, just you, I've heard that. I know that stat, but yes. even just hearing you say it is pretty wild. Which okay, and and, and I and I got to go back and look look it up. But my guess is that probably puts him in the top 50 all-time mm -hmm. tacklers my guess yeah because I, I can't imagine i can't imagine you know 32 have him being the 32nd leading tackler of all franchises now again there's organizations that maybe are more congruent to tackle whatever but top 50 is a guess maybe not top 100 for sure but like then the amount of all uh pro bowls all pro votes, three Super Bowl rings, and that's not even which unfortunately voters typically don't weigh into it. But like just the type of leader and player he was in the locker room, like y'all yeah. have gotten to know him if you've listened to us for any amount of time. I mean, the fact that that he is not in up to this point, and the fact that this is his first time as a finalist yeah. is a crime, right? Yeah, and he he he's talked about this a little bit that. You know his the way he played and the what he was asked to do changed the position. Yep, was a was a a relatively mm -hmm. unknown way to play yeah. the way that he played safety. Yeah, and so because he was a linebacker in college, which is crazy to think that he was a linebacker, mm -hmm. and moved to safety in the pros and played thirteen years. And yeah, so and, and he again, like Tyler said, if you've known Darren for any amount of time, listen to this podcast. He's the last person that's going to raise hell publicly. Which yeah. may honestly may hurt him a little bit. Well, and that's what I was that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> and, um, and he knows that. He, he's, yeah. he's well aware. He's just that's just not who he, he's not a self promoter. Yeah. He's not gonna get out there in front of this and and really make a case for himself. Which, which I didn't understand. And this goes back to me just being naive about that whole thing. Like even in high school, it was like I used to say, "I'm not gonna go to these camps. I'm gonna let my game tape speak yeah. for itself." I thought the same thing. Nah, yeah. you have to go yeah. promote yourself. Right. You have to get in front of, you have to do this whole deal. And the same thing for the Hall of Fame is there is like a whole, like a lot of these guys, like they'll put marketing teams together to go market them to whoever, the voters, right? Getting out there, whether it's social media or out in the public or whatever it may be. And that's not his personality. His personality is like, listen, I, Darren does so much that people have no idea. Mm -hmm. That like close friends of his have no idea what he does because he's not going to go advertise how great he is, how good he is. He's going to let his impact speak for itself. And you know, one thing that I actually just heard this last weekend, and and you talk about, um, and this is kind of relating to death and legacy. And we went we went through this in um, the comfort crisis mm -hmm. and being comfortable with it. But one thing you know that it's really important is when you die, oh, and this is out actually, this is out, out of the Bible, um, out of Proverbs is, uh, is when you die, a wise man is more concerned with his name than he is with his, what he has, mm -hmm. right? So when you are wise, you are more worried about the name that lives on beyond as opposed to the accolades, the, um, Possessions, the possessions, the you know, money things, right? And Darren's Darren's that to me. Darren's that guy that is more worried about the impact he makes and the people he's interacted with, and 
dude, like you talk to anybody that knows Darren, it's like, that's one of the best dudes I know. Yep. One of the best dudes I know. Mm-hmm. And he's more concerned with that. Yes, the Hall of Fame would be great. It would be awesome. But I just, if for his mindset, and maybe internally it bothers him a little bit. Like, how could it not? Yeah. But, man, he's so much more concerned with his name and who he is and what he's represented as a person than who he is as a football player. Yeah, and he and uh, DeMarcus Ware, who uh, is also a former Cowboy, this is his second year, he's he's a finalist as well. They had a press conference last week, and Darren mentioned this, that he didn't play the game for personal accolades. And and some people say that. A lot of people say that. It's easy to say. And, and it's easy yeah. to say. It's, a, it's the right thing to yeah. say. But with Darren, you actually believe it, and that's how he played. Mm-hmm. However, he's a competitive dude. He wants to win. He, yeah. He, yes, publicly he's not going to say this, but yeah. privately – Yes, he he wants to he wants this honor. Yeah, just like anybody. And how could you not? Exactly. It, what it does a lot of times is it just affirms what you've given up. Mm-hmm. It affirms that it was worth it. And that's exactly what he said. I don't know. If, did you hear? Uh. Uh-uh. You didn't see. So that's exactly uh-uh. what he said. He said, "Serious? You want you want all those early mornings, late nights, yeah. all that work to be to be validated? Yeah. And yes, he validated with championships. He validated with being all time tackler." Yeah. But you know, it's also nice to be validated yeah. through an honor like this. And yeah. so again, he won't go out and say it, but I know it means something to him. Yeah. And so we hope that uh, we hope that this. In fact, he's going to be. So we're going to be out there at Super Bowl again yeah. this year with Sleep Number. Yeah. And the same week, they're having all the finalists out there, and there'll yeah. be some media obligations and things like that. So talking about he doesn't like to promote, he'll have some obligations while we're out there at the Super yeah. Bowl. That, and I think they announce, in fact, on the February 9th, right before. The Super Bowl. So there's a very good chance we'll be out there in his hometown. You know what we should do, by the way, is we should just like hang out in his hotel room all the time. Cause, cause <laughs> just wait till they knock on the door. We're the present when they knock on the door. <laughs> I'll answer the just door. Just to get some camera time. <laughs> just wearing our one shot yeah, t shirts. Seriously. No, we'll but, promote, hey, we'll promote the heck out of each other. <laughs> Darren, no, not so how, much. How cool would that be in his hometown? Yes. He gets the call. So, you, you know, divine intervention, whatever you want to call it, it's. It's eerie how mm. it's waited this long, and now he's back in his yeah. home state. So here's here's he our ask. It. If you're hearing this at any point, and it is before the end of January, um, there's you know there's public vote, there's mm. the Associated Press votes, there's a whole committee, right? It all goes into it. Like if you have any influence at all, or if you if you have a computer, go vote for yep. Darren. Like get on. He is again not only not only is he. In my opinion, I mean, you got Darrell Revis, um, you got Rondé Barber. Um, in my opinion, can't hold Darren's jockstrap as it comes to what what Darren did and accomplished. Yeah, I mean, Darrell Revis doesn't have a Super Bowl. Um, yeah, he was he was a good corner. He was you know Revis Island. He did a lot of things, but like Darren for thirteen years. For 13 years, absolutely dominated the sport every year that he was there. Mm-hmm. Like Darrell Rivas had a peak, you know, there was like five or six years where he was really good, which in, nowadays as a corner is great. It's awesome. But like to to say that he played at the level that Darren played with for as long as he did, yeah. I, I think that's doing a disservice to Darren. But, and what he, everything that he did, going, you know, coming in, playing the run. Going slot, covering guys, playing deep at safety. I mean, whatever he did, he was great at. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just look at it and I'm like, okay, there's all these safeties that have gotten in before. Um, and other great safeties, great players, but like not not even the same, not even the same caliber. Yeah. And I tell Darren this all the time. 
having said all that, he's not even the best Woodson to ever play safety. So don't do it. <laughs> don't, hey, don't you do it. Don't. Don't. I used to tell him when I when I was his trainer, I used to tell him, man, I thought I was getting to train Charles Woodson. I, <laughs> this is Darren Woodson guy. You mean Rod? <laughs> or even Rod he's Woodson. He's, a, he's not even the second best Woodson to ever play safety. So nah, just kidding. Darren, we hope that uh we hope that he makes it this year. Yeah. Um, it'd be again, it'd be a huge honor if he got to got to hear that mm-hmm. and receive that honor in his home state, in his hometown. Mm-hmm. Um and you best believe we'll be in Canton, Ohio this fall if he uh, if he doesn't make Come it. Come on. So uh, and speaking of sleep number, as as we mentioned, yes. we'll be out there here in a few weeks for the Super Bowl. We'll be uh, doing their whole media week. Uh, they've got a bunch of content, a bunch of cool content that they do with their athletes and their players. And uh-huh. uh, it, it was an honor to be a part of that last year, and they asked us to come back. I guess yep. we did a, an okay job, so they asked us to come back. So, um, But we do want to thank Sleep Number for not only that opportunity, but just the support they show us. Yeah, what they're doing. Yep. Uh, for this podcast. And, and again, I traveled over uh, New Year's, and it just literally every time I travel to a new place, it just re- reinforces the fact that Sleep Number is the best, most high or highest quality mm-hmm. mattress out there. You I know mean, no matter where I sleep, oh, I'm always 100%. like, oh, I got to get back home. You know what's funny is, um, it, you know how just our human body, right? How it acclimates to situations and then doesn't it gets used to certain things, right? And and you talk about training and and and. Every once in a while, you've got to mix things up because your your body just becomes conditioned to the same thing. Well, so my my recovery numbers were were starting to like stay really low. Mm. Now, granted, when you're getting four to four to four and a half hours of sleep, that hurts. Yeah, um, but that was a good four hours. But it was it was it was a good four hours. <laughs> but here's here's what happened is is my numbers were down. Well, we went out of town over break as well for we had two nights or two nights um, that we were out and. Um, and I come home and like immediately because I slept so bad and the bed was so bad, I come home and immediately I was at from my sleep score and my whoop through the roof. And it has been through the roof since. And I haven't yeah. done anything different. Yeah. But like your body's like, oh wait, it really is crappy everywhere yeah. else. Yeah. You get back on the sleep number, mm-hmm. golden. Yeah. Actually, we're we're gonna sleep better tonight. That's right. That's so right. it's 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 really interesting how yeah, how that's happened. Yeah, so thank you to Sleep Number, and, and they're a big partner with the NFL. And speaking yep. of NFL, we're heading into playoff time. Yep. And we've mentioned this before in the past. We'll mention it forever. Cowboys got a big game coming up, but really, there's a full weekend of all playoffs. And the best place to watch playoff football, yes, hands down, if you're in the DFW area, head head up north, up I-75 mm-hmm. to Choctaw Casinos and Resort. Uh, they've got a sports bar up there called the League, and it is. Screen upon screen, massive televisions everywhere, the best food, the best drinks. So if you're a football fan yeah. at all, this weekend coming up is Christmas for the NFL fans. Yeah. I can't think of any better place than to go watch it up at Choctaw Casino. I'm gonna I'm gonna reemphasize one of the things that you said. Food. Yes. It is so good. Yeah, don't go up there if you're on seventy five hard. Uh uh-uh. uh. But <laughs> <laughs> so our, our producer today, Will, he's on seventy five hard right now. First time Let's going go. through it. So he won't be able to go up there and enjoy the food, but he yeah. can enjoy everything else. Uh, yeah. Ben did it last year, yeah. and it was, and he was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then, that might actually be the best plug. I went up to a sports bar, unable to eat what I wanted, unable to drink any alcohol, and I still had the time of my life. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So uh, appreciate them as well. Uh, I mentioned being out of town mm-hmm. over New Year's. I went out of town for Christmas, but over New Year's as well. And we've we've made it a tradition. Uh, I've had a buddy couple of buddies. It's kind of a, we call ourselves the Fab Five, if you will. 
And it's a group of four of my buddies. We've known each other since elementary, middle school. And, you know, some friends you have growing up in high school and then college you kind of lose touch or, or even college friends you lose touch after you graduate. Well, these buddies of mine, we've stayed. I mean, we're still it's, – it's the kind of friends you get together with. And even yeah. if you've only talked once in the last six months, like it's yeah. like you never left. Yeah. It's, it's those kind of buddies. Yeah. And so we made it a tradition back in 2010. So it's been – or maybe – no, I'm sorry, 2012. So it's been about 10 years now. Yeah. We go to one of my buddy's lake houses every New Year's, jump in the water at midnight. Now it's – now we're taking kids with us. Ooh, and that's added a different element. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, so Cooper and Case were sick this year. So ah. I actually went by myself, which was a vacation in its own. <laughs> um, and so it's funny, though, because 2012, none of us had kids. We mm -hmm. all had wives or girlfriends, but none of us had kids. Yeah. And so to think what it looked like then. So you were there. They, did they now, bring their families? Everybody brought their families. But so you were just solo. I was, <laughs> so I was thinking, like, this is awesome. I'll get to, you know sleep in or no, no, just other kids well other people's kids annoy you. they have a big bunk room above uh, their garage and it's like 10 beds just yeah. one massive open room one of my buddies he and he his wife and four kids including a newborn stayed in that room with me so <laughs> didn't really it's it's all good though i mean it's it's fine but now yeah. tell us how you really feel though <laughs> what's their names <laughs> i slept with four four kids under five so that that's how it went Hold on. wait <laughs> yeah Slept in the same room as four <laughs> kids under five. Not trying so, to get this podcast canceled. We may, yeah. We're going into year three, yeah, guys. <laughs> seriously, we're, we're just now, we're just getting started. Oh. Um, anyway, I bring all that up to say, and I wanted to bounce this off of you because we talked about this before. Some of the best podcasts in the world never recorded. are never recorded. It's just you and your best friends hanging mm -hmm. out, talking about life. Mm -hmm. And one of the topics that, that came up while we were there because we're all dads, we're all husbands, all these, all these buddies of mine. And one of the topics that came up was, and, and we all have young kids. I think the oldest is six. Okay. Cooper is the oldest. Um, and so what's on our mind right now, obviously getting through the younger phase, younger mm -hmm. years, but it's starting to get, at least with my six-year-old, he's starting to understand things more. Mm -hmm. And he's starting to, to grasp and ask deeper questions. Um, we're still too young for drugs and sex and, and alcohol and all that, probably, hopefully, <laughs> at six. But it's it's definitely on the horizon, mm -hmm. especially in 2022 when things seem to be moving yeah, fast, younger and yeah. younger and faster and faster with technology. So the topic was just, and again, we didn't plan it. We just started talking, and, and it was, when do you start having these big conversations, these big subjects? Not only when, but how do you approach it? How can you start laying the groundwork at six years old so that when they're 10, 11, 12, and their buddy's got something on his phone that he shouldn't be looking at, and he's showing my son, mm -hmm. and, and my son's got to decide what he's going to do in that moment. Yeah. So I know you, especially with your older kids, but even you are an outlier. You and your wife, Tiffany, y'all started these conversations early, mm -hmm. earlier than anybody I know, mm -hmm. and earlier than I was talked to about this. And so I wanted to bounce it off of you and almost replicate, not replicate that discussion, but maybe just bounce it off of you, this whole discussion of like, yeah. when did you guys start? What was the impetus for starting? Uh -huh. Did you plan it? Was it that something happened, which uh -huh. led you to start talking about it? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just curious. Yeah. How y'all So I, I mean, there's definitely different topics for different ages. Sure. Um, my wife is, is 
not afraid, especially with our girls. I mean, she's a little bit more hesitant with the boys, so like she tags me in for a lot of those. Um, but like from the like actual like biological aspect, we started we started our kids really young, um, and there are resources out there. Uh, but I, I think there's there's a line, right? Like that you've got to use because you know your kid, and you've got to understand, okay, like. When do I start? How early? And then, like, how much information am I sharing with the kids? Because it's like borderline. Like, okay, we're going full woke. We're gonna, we're going to talk about everything, yeah. and you're gonna like, like a five year old doesn't have the ability to process like sexual identity. So, like, why why are you forcing that conversation onto a child? So you've got to use discretion, and and you nobody knows your kid like you do. Hopefully, um, and so like having those conversations really are going to be child specific. Like my daughter, my oldest, um, my wife took her through a like biology, biology slash sexuality, like anatomy book anatomy. Mm-hmm. That's exactly the word that I was looking for. <laughs> biology. That's, yeah. You didn't yeah. say anything wrong. Yeah. I was just adding. Yeah. Word. So, so like I come home and she's, let's see, this would have been, she's four. And she's talking about like vaginas and uterus mm. and stuff like that. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what is going on? And like, and my wife is like, listen, would you rather her learn the correct like technical terms or would you like her like to go to school and call it her ding dong until she's 13? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and like, and I, I laugh because we're behind because we're still calling it wieners and, and hiney at my house. Yeah. We, we call it coolie, <laughs> like, butt is coolie. We don't, you know, we don't say, your, you know, your butt or your buttocks or anything. It's like coolie, it, which is like an Italian phrase, apparently. I, it may not be. I could just, she could just be lying you're, to me. You're cussing in Italian. But, you know. but you, you've got to use discretion with your kids. But here's here's just kind of my encouragement for, for parents with, with young kids out there is don't ignore it. Because they're going to learn it. Do you want them to learn it from you and then go to school equipped to handle those conversations when when other kids who have older siblings, who the older siblings taught them and nobody taught the older siblings the correct thing and they heard it from school and brought it home and now their you know, second grader is is you know walking around saying they want a blowjob and have no idea what yeah. it is. And so it's it's you've You've got to ask yourself that question. Do I want my kids to learn it from me the correct way, or do I want them to learn it from someone else the incorrect way? Mm-hmm. I would assume that every parent and, – and it doesn't have to be super formal. It doesn't have to be super serious. Like we took my daughter to a whole book series, and, mm-hmm. and every year it's there's literally a book that is appropriate for that age and talking about body parts and new sensations and new experiences and all these things that like are age appropriate all what's, the way what's through. What's that book called? I'll I'll, I'll get it. Okay. I'll get it for you. I don't want to. Yeah, I'm sure wanna, people listening would, would be interested. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll we'll put it out there. But it was. I mean, it was phenomenal, and it had been recommended to her by a couple other parents that we really like look up to and what they've done with their kids and um, and having those conversations. The other thing is is you're setting you're setting the the stage for conversations later on. And then being comfortable talking about those things. If you make it uncomfortable talking about, uh, you know, your junior high daughter, you know, going through that change, like, and you and you kind of shun it and make it feel gross to her. Like, she's not going to come to you when she has a question. Right. Like, that's one thing that, like, I love about my daughter's relationships, relationship, my both of my daughter's relationship with my wife is, like, they talk to her about everything. 
like no no hiding anything because like it's normal to have uncomfortable conversations with my wife like it's totally normal. Like I sent you a video the other day. We were out at a ranch, and this like, was per. It was perfect. <laughs> and you brought it up, right? You brought it up. You're like, hey, I'm thinking about this for the podcast, and I was like, oh yeah, it's totally perfect. Here's a prime <laughs> example of of what my family life looks like. And so we're out at my buddy's ranch, and they got a bunch of um, they got a bunch of cattle, and we're feeding the cattle. And um, there's this there's all these heifers, and then females, and then this one Brahma bull, this big massive massive bull um and and like all the little kids are playing and then you hear my my wife who's got a very distinctive voice in the background of our friend that's filming and she's like so in the back are his balls his testicles right so his testicles are in the back and then and then his penis is in front and that is like these kids are just like out playing right and then my wife is talking to my oldest daughter about the anatomy of a bull two, two observations because i watched this video one the video is a sweet video of yes. your son feeding this yes this animal feeding, that, feeding this like big bull with his hand and like and they love it and they're all and in the background you're exactly right and and, and you missed a, a quote a direct quote those two things dangling oh, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what those two things dangling the first the, the one in front is the penis <laughs> So to your point, that's yeah. exactly how she speaks to your kids. And, and, my, and my daughter and was locked yeah, in. Yeah, your, your daughter, kudos to yeah. your daughter. <laughs> Sitting there, most yeah. kids would be just, oh their gosh. skin would be crawling. Oh this, my the, I can't believe my mom's saying this. And she just has, kind of has this look on her face like, that's my mom. That's my mom. Yeah, <laughs> that's, talking that's about what it. we do. <laughs> but there's, there's just a level of trust there that, like, it's a safe place with my wife. Like, yeah, like, she's, like, outgoing, has no, no issues talking, making, you know, having hard conversations. But man, it, when when our when our kids are in high school and there's serious conversations, right? Maybe there's a, a challenge, like a friend is struggling with something, or they were offered something, or they had a conversation, or whatever. Like they they we hope that they still feel comfortable enough to come to us and talk to us about those things. Mm -hmm. And then also too is equipping them just to be able to respond with certainty as opposed to being manipulated with like false information, like, oh, hey, try this. Like, it, oh, it's good for you, it's organic, or it's that. Like all these things that like kids try to do like with, within peer pressure, like if you have the conversation about drugs with your kids, like our kids are getting exposed earlier and earlier, mm -hmm. but if they know what it is and what it does and our family stance on it, like it's, it's not gonna be that, that hard for them to say no. Like I've learned about this. I know what this is. I know what it does. I know the impacts. I know the side effects. I know the consequences. I know all of those because we've talked through them as opposed to like for the first time hearing it. Yeah. So, and then, I mean, the other thing too, like it, you talk to like, especially junior high, which my oldest daughter's going to be in junior high next year. Um, Like. And junior high is seventh grade? Six, seventh six and eighth. Okay. Yeah. So I grew up, it was just seventh and yeah. eighth. Here in the DFW, yeah, where I grew up, six, seven, eight. eight, yep. And so, um, but like with cell phones, right? And and what kids are sending to each other, like for, like images, mm -hmm. like those are things that I, I I worry about the pressure that young girls are being put are being put on them yep. from immature adolescent puberty ravaged young boys. Mm. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, and there's things that, that are forever. Like if something is sent, it is forever. And so again, if there's pressure, like we want our daughter to be able to come to us and say, Hey, this boy is asking for this. Like, as opposed to like trying, trying to like solve it herself with 12 years of experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big one, obviously, Yeah, is that type of request mm-hmm. seems to be happening. And we, we were, when you and I were growing up, it was the beginning of the internet age, at least for me, it was. And so it was still fairly difficult to get your hands on any stuff you shouldn't be looking at. Yeah. Any, any, you had like, to dial up, you had all that. So like, and it had to be on your computer at home. It wasn't like you could just hide it I, somewhere. Well, see, I was pre that, like really like even you like, were like magazines, I guess. Then. Yeah. Like that's what magazines and videos, right. like, right. like buddies that's like dads had magazines. They'd like bring them to school or like an actual like VHS tape, mm. like, the the computer thing, I guess maybe like high school. Yeah. I think for me it was ish. like middle school ish. Yeah. Late middle school. Yeah. So or, so yeah. that so that would line up. And so but But now it's you pull out a phone. <laughs> yeah. And guess what? Twelve year olds have phones now. Ten year olds have phones now. And we talked about it in, you know, the coddling of the American mind when they allowed thirteen year olds to be able to have, you know, Instagram accounts and Facebook accounts. Now it's gone from the big stuff, which it's all big, but the yeah. big stuff of sending stuff that you shouldn't be sending. But now yeah. it's even, especially for girls, that book talks about, it's comparing yourself. Yeah. Looking at these pretty 19-year-olds yeah. who have these perfect bodies, which are fake, by the way, on the screen. They're yeah. touched up and airbrushed and whatever. Now it's just that comparison game. Yeah. So not only am I being pressured to send stuff I shouldn't send at an earlier age, I'm also now comparing myself. Or, or he, here's age. an even more potentially more dangerous dangerous scenario is you now have access to things that are highly illegal to have and yeah. possess that you yeah. can literally just search. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I don't want to get into it more, but there was a very public figure whose uh, college son was arrested Cause there was a couple images that he had on his computer that he found online and didn't know that they were illegal, but I mean, literally arrested. So again, the conversations of like, what should I search? What can I search? Because when you're talking about like high school and below is the maturity and intellectual capacity to make wise decisions is limited. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so that's, again, that's the daunting thing. At, yeah. You know, my kids are young, but it's something I need to start thinking about. And it is the obvious, probably, is where you start, you know, it's conversations early, it's restriction on phones, it's, you know, regulating, you know, screen time. Mm. It's those obvious things, but it's the less obvious, I think, that, that keeps me up, which is buddies yeah. at school. I have no control over what those parents are yeah. telling their kids. Yeah. And so if a buddy of my son's is like, hey, check this out. Check out what I saw. What, now, how does my son react? Again, yeah. you said it earlier. It's him understanding our stance on that, him yeah. understanding, and it's because of conversation that we have earlier. I'm also wondering out loud, and again, I've never done this before, and parents of older kids are probably like, that, that won't work. Don't even try it. But I'm also wondering out loud, it, it, it's got to be secondary principles too that have an effect. And we talked about this a little bit. I got to think if I can teach him things, you know, the big stuff about yeah. sex, drugs, alcohol, those yeah. conversations. 
but also teaching secondary things that I think would have a bleed over effect, could have a bleed over effect, which is talking about peer pressure, talking about, you know, delayed gratification even. And, you know, we're wired in a way that we need pleasure now, mm-hmm. which is, I could argue, the source of why yeah. we get into drugs, alcohol, sex, all that. Which, which kids deal with even more so than us as adults. Mm-hmm. Why? Because parents now, what do we want to do? We want to make our kid happy. Right. Oh, you want that? Yep. All right, we'll get it. We'll give it to you. You're not gonna. Very few kids these days are working, right. saving up their own money, doing, going out, you know, doing chores or going around the neighborhood, like. Remember when it was a cool deal to like sell lemonade? Like yeah. now it's like an anomaly to yeah. see like a lemonade stand. Mm-hmm. I mean, like going out and working, earning it themselves and then getting it. Yep. Now kids are like, what do you mean? My mom's just ordering on Amazon. We'll be here tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're learning about the, the you know, the intricacies of money right now with yeah. my six-year-old. And yeah. he does a chore and we, he gets rewarded as being, yeah. you know. Now there's some school of thoughts. Well, that's just, you know, to get to live in your house, he should just be able to contribute. But we're trying to teach him. You know, this is yeah, how you earn. Have, this is how you earn a reward, yeah. and what do you do with that reward? You yeah. can go spend it on toys if you want. Yeah, but then you're not going to have anything left. Yeah, and so I'm wondering if those type of lessons will also bleed over. I think so into think so. the big stuff. Right. You talk about like peer pressure. What about like protection, like protecting others? Mm-hmm. So like, what if like um, you know an eight year old, second second third grader, and he sees say another boy doing something inappropriate to a girl or bullying somebody else, right? Having the wherewithal to be like, hey, listen, I know I've had this conversation with my parents. Like that's something that is not okay and I need to let somebody know. Mm-hmm. Or like one thing we talk about with my son a lot is, you know, he has a twin sister is you're, you you have a, a role as a protector for your sister. When you're at school and if somebody tries to hurt her, like, we we want you to be able to stand up and protect her and step in. I mean, she's strong. She's probably stronger than he is right now. But like, also having the hard conversations about like what's okay, what's not, and then what is your role and what is your job? What you know? What are you called to do in those tough situations? As opposed to just being a spectator, like mm-hmm. much of our country, just watch it happen and film it. Yeah. Right. No, like stepping in and making an impact and trying to like help a situation. Yeah. yeah another thing we're talking and there's so much out there and, and you want to be proactive as opposed to reactive uh-huh. you want to be playing offense as a parent as opposed to playing defense unfortunately i think a lot of parents because we're so focused on what we do and we're pursuing career success mm-hmm. our kids kind of get the second at least that's for me I, a lot mm-hmm. of times they get my secondary attention yeah you know my main attention is on what i want to do yeah but what i'm realizing over time is they need a lot more of my attention than than you know, it, it's it's going to take yeah. a much more proactive. Another thing is selfishness. Yeah. And again, what's the source of a lot of these things? It's selfishness. It's wanting to fulfill my needs and my needs only. And so you think about my boys mm-hmm. requesting from a girl a picture or something that she shouldn't be sending. What's at the root of that? It's selfishness. Yeah. I have a need. You need to fulfill that need for me. Same thing with drinking, same yep. thing with drugs. I have a need. I want to fulfill this short-term pleasure, and this thing is going to get that to me. Yep. And so selfishness is another conversation that we have in our house of, I didn't make that mess, Dad. Does it matter? You, as part of a, as a contributing member of, this, member of this family, we all do things that help the, that help the group. Yeah. 
And so just because you didn't make that mess doesn't mean that you're not responsible for cleaning it up. Mm-hmm. That's just the, that's the role you play in this family. And so I think having those conversations early yeah. has been helpful. Again, he doesn't get it the first time or the second time. It's going to take – I think that's maybe another thing that us parents do is – I was literally would, just about to go there. We want things to stick the first time. Yeah. And so it's all about the follow-up. Oh, dude. Just like in sales, just like in anything, it's all the follow-up. Yeah. And so you can tell them one thing once – it's not going to stick one time. It's going to be a constant repetition. You, y'all just were at ask my your kids to pick up toys. <laughs> yeah, see how many times it takes <laughs> you to ask them to do that. You, like, you had the, yeah, you had the twins at my uh, son's birthday party. Yeah, uh, this past weekend, and you had to repeatedly. Oh my gosh! And I know you've said this a million times. A million you had to times. repeatedly say say thank a you. Million times. Say thank you. Which, by the way, I have a side story real quick. Yeah, that you're not going to like. Oh gosh! <laughs> I swear. Do I need to go pull him out of school? Put my hands on him. <laughs> so we got home with all the presents uh-huh. and this is just a side tangent that you'll, like I said, that you won't like, but we got home with all the presents. We're going through them and he's opening them and we're writing down who got us what yeah. and what the, the gift that y'all got, the little uh-huh. Nerf bow and arrow. Uh-huh. I go, Hey bud, this is from Rocco. And, and so everybody, every other gift, yeah. Hey, this is from, from Hudson or this is from whoever. Uh-huh. And he's like, Oh, great. You know, whatever. And I said, Hey bud, this is from Rocco and C. And he goes, Ooh. Oh, stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna go put my hands his, on his him. ears. Perked up when he heard Sia. Sia. So. <laughs> it was so funny. Did you you saw his reaction when they took the picture? Oh, absolutely. Or Sia, yeah, Sia's reaction. Yeah. Like they were standing next to each other. First, like Cooper was on the edge, and then the twins were. I was like, no, 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 no. put Cooper in the middle. And I was messing with her. And I was like, Sia, put your arm around him. Put your, put your arm around him. Oh, the look that she gave me. She's like, Dad, I yeah. swear. If you say if you say it again. You, uh, Dad, I swear. So you, you said, just redid all oh, the good dude. that, that oh. we're talking about in this episode of, of how you nurture your children and have these conversations. He was but he was forcing a, a pre- I'm telling you, sarcasm is a sign of intelligence. If you can get them to understand and read people through sarcasm, they're just going to be more equipped to be successful. Uh, but, but anyway, I don't know where where no, I forget no, where but I was. To your point, yeah. your point on like wanting your kids, and and that's that's how we parent these days, right? Is if it doesn't work, ah, forget it. It's too hard. It's, it's as much of a chore oh for gosh. me to get to get my oh. kids to clean up their mess as yes. it is for them to clean up the mess. Yes. And maybe even more so. Yeah. The thing is, though, is is you do need to recognize victories, and you do need to recognize times. Like, uh, I took the boys to dinner Friday night, and uh, we went to a spot. And one thing that I kind of just overlook, because I always do it, but, like, my boys, both of my boys know – and they do this 90% of the time, which is like, I'm saying this now and I'm like, dang, I'm like super proud. But they always hold the door for people. Always. Mm. Like they will always hold the door. They walk in, they open the door and they let you go through. Like nothing drives me crazier than like boys that just open the door, let it close behind them and walk through. We're trying to learn that right now. It's hard. Nothing drives me crazier. And so like, that's a big deal. And sometimes they'll fight over who gets to hold the door for the people that are walking that's right good. behind. So like recognize that one, it's going to take time. Like, it, it just takes forever. Like, as an adult, I still don't always, like, wipe down the shower door, you know, get all the water droplets off. Or, like, I don't always put my clothes away the second that, you know, that they come out of the, the dryer and, and fold them up. Like, there's still things that, like, we as adults don't do. So how can you expect young kids right. to get it and understand it? Well, I think time? That, that's the point is you, yeah. you set the standard yes. for it, a lot of this stuff. Exactly. Exactly. You know, what do they see you doing is, is going to bleed over right. into what do they do? Right. And like, and, and my, my oldest son, there's times I'm like, Oh my gosh, this kid, like 
It's like he doesn't ever listen. But then you will get places, and then you'll see him interact with other people. It doesn't do with parents, <laughs> but with other people, it's like, okay, like he's looking servers and uh, waiters in the eye saying, um, sir, can I please have this? Thank you so much. Like going That's through awesome. that conversation and doing it, and you're like, dang. And then he like Something punches. Then he like punches his sister <laughs> under the table, and then I'm like, "You come on, yeah. <laughs> you know." But like we as parents, it's it's hard to recognize like those little victories. But it's just it's just like guys like we're sculptors out of a rock, and it's just take mm. chips and chips and chips and chips and chips until hopefully you build this like great this great statue, this beautiful piece of artwork that your child can potentially yeah. be. But look, if you just like expect to take a sledgehammer to it a couple times, it's never going to, it's never going to stick. Yeah. It's also the, the balance of, you know, teaching them these things and, and being super hands-on, but also hands off enough to where they make some mistakes as well. That's good. That's a good point. The, the, the scary thing is you don't want to make a massive mistake that changes the trajectory of their life at 16. Yeah. yeah. So, Again, it's it's there's some give and take here, and it's more of an art as opposed to a science. Yeah. I would love nothing more than a black and white. Here's how to do it. Here's yeah. what you do. Do it. Get it. Go. Done. Yeah. I would love nothing more than that. Unfortunately, yeah. And you said it to start. I've got two kids, a third on the way. Each one of those kids is going to demand right. a different approach, yep. different messaging, different different ways that I go about <laughs> delivering that. Hundred percent. And an example is is. Like Gia, my oldest, you can talk to her about like very detailed anatomy and stuff like that. And like she's just like learning, soaking it in, mm -hmm. like asking like very intelligent questions. And then like you, you say like puberty to my <laughs> eight-year-old and he loses it for I like two minutes. <laughs> and you can't see <laughs> And he can't even hold it together. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it's it is so funny and different. And so different times, like he he's not ready to talk about like the nuances of like a lot of that stuff, but you still have to deliver it at mm -hmm. a point mm -hmm. and in a way that he does comprehend. And even if he does laugh, like sometimes you just gotta you gotta recognize like he's gonna be more yeah. work. Yeah. Like we're gonna have to be more intentional about it and we're gonna have to figure out how it actually gets through to him and actually sticks. And there's probably other subject matters that he is ready to take on more. So then maybe, a, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe it is discipline that he can really focus in on at this age. Mm -hmm. And then the, the more sexual type stuff comes in. Again, there's just so many, there's yes, a, yeah. there's a wide variety of topics mm -hmm. and issues that we're going to have to face at some point. Yeah. Uh, I think to me, it's just, how can I get ahead of, as many of these things as possible. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to get ahead of everything and I'm not going to be able to control everything. Yeah. That's another thing is letting go of some of that uh -huh. and just trusting that what you've taught them their first 10 years of life yeah. is sticking to your, yeah. to your point. You tell your son these things at home over and over and over. You don't think it's really sticking. And then you go out and he, he applies it and he yeah. does it. Yeah. So there's some of that trust factor yeah. there as well of, no, it is, it is, it is taking a hold and, and it is working and it is, it is registering uh -huh. in his mind. Yeah. I think for the tougher conversations, one of the things that you just need to recognize like windows of opportunity to start the conversation. Anytime you feel like your stomach kind of like turning a little bit, like, Oh, this is awkward. This is hard. You need to listen to that feeling and say, this is probably one of those opportunities yeah. because like you said earlier, it's like, we want to be proactive. We want to be on offense about this stuff and we don't want to like, have to explain everything. Sometimes it's unavoidable, but like you don't want to have to like explain it for the first time. 
when they come home from school asking mm-hmm. a question. Yeah. yeah. You would hate the first time you ever talk about it is when they're in tears. Yes. At home. Yeah. You know, because some big thing happened. Exactly. Now, again, maybe that's a great opportunity to teach, but yeah. hopefully at least, you know, you've you've at least broached the I was going to say, it, you've at least started the conversation mm-hmm. and they know. Because pain's unavoidable. Yeah. You're going to have some, they're going to screw up. They're mm-hmm. kids. I, I know me personally, I was way too embarrassed to talk to my parents about me, me too. Yeah. So I would, I, like, I would just keep it in. Yeah. And, and unless, like, my parents kind of, like, forced it which didn't happen a ton um it like i just kept it in and i never talked about it yeah i was very fortunate growing up that the friend group my closest friend group growing up all came from similar families yeah and similar values that i did right and so alcohol for instance was never a temptation for me because the best friends that i had in the world and the people i spent 90 percent of my time with yeah it wasn't a temptation for them yeah. So it's not like we were going out and seeking. Now that's just one example. Again, do I want to rely on and hope that I get lucky that my kids all have great friend groups? Yes, I hope they yeah, do. I mean, yeah. But that doesn't take away my responsibility to have these discussions and teach these lessons early on. Yeah. Because maybe my maybe my son is the leader of the group and he's the one that sets the tone. Yeah. I, that's how I'm going to approach it and assume as it should be. Yeah. That that he's going to have to go into these scenarios is that he's the leader. Yeah. He's the one that steps up and sets the tone, uh-huh. not follows and sits back and waits yeah. for his buddy to to be the one that steps. Hey guys, maybe we shouldn't do this. Yeah. Like uh, like, do you want the kid that like joins in on other kids making fun of somebody, not at putting all. them down, or yeah. do you want the kid that's like, hey, he's not here. Like that's not. That's not mm-hmm. We don't need to be talking about that. Like mm-hmm. that's not kind. Like. We want that the second kid. That's we right. don't want the kid that's just like part of the group and just goes with it and doesn't stand for anything. Mm-hmm. Like we want to be the kid that's like, look, these are these are this is what I believe in. And look, if what you believe is different than everybody else, and like that's what you're trying to teach to your kid, you're the parent. Yeah, that's your decision. Right. But like, you you don't want other people making decisions, putting your kids into circumstances, situations that they just go with because they haven't been, they haven't been encouraged to take a stand for whatever they believe in. If they don't believe in anything, then what, what are they going to stand up against? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think my takeaway from not only this conversation, but the ones I had with my buddies and just previous conversations that you and I had is, is this is going to be a proactive deal. Yeah. I'm going to have to get, be proactive about this as opposed to reactive. And it's it's something it's going to take work. Yeah. It's not like I can just sit back and and expect him to be, you know, to learn this on his own. Again, there's an element of that. Yeah. But a lot of it is having these discussions early on. How many convers how many times are we in the car? Are you in the car with just the boys? Honestly, not that often. Okay, so you're a terrible father. So okay, I'm so a terrible father. You're in that category. Okay. <laughs> uh, how, <laughs> I was kidding. But like, like percentage-wise, not as much as my wife. But no, no, no. Yeah. Oh, same, yeah. same, same. But like you, you're coming home from enough sp- sports. Yeah, right, coming enough. home from picking yeah. up whatever, right? Whatever it may be. Um, I mean, how many opportunities there are? And like just imagine, right? Like men just stereotypically, we, we are not great at conversations. Just I mean, stereotypically. Um, imagine a dad setting the tone and just asking about his asking his son, like how school was, how his friends are, which friends he likes. Like we shouldn't have to like go to our wife and look at our wife and be like, Hey, who are his friends? What's his teacher's name? Or what's this? Like imagine starting there, just asking questions Mm -hmm. to your kids. Like 
sometimes it's literally the best conversations I ever have. I mean, rolling, dying. Like some of the things that come out of these kids when you just start to ask questions. Yeah. Like imagine, and I'm think, and I'm speaking mainly father to son because I think we struggle with that as as a culture. Imagine just setting the tone of having open dialogue. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have to always be super important, you know, like pivotal conversations. It can be, hey, bud, any girls that you're friends with at school. You know, are there any boys there that like like the same girls? Are any of them mean to girls? Are you know what sports? Which kids are the best? You know, on your team, are they nice? Which ones do you think are leaders? You know, like start having just like basic conversations mm -hmm. to just set the tone that like, hey, this is normal, as opposed to like, okay, my dad's coming in to talk to me. He never talks to me. Like something's really serious. What's going on? What's going on? <laughs> and these kids are on defense, right? Yeah. But just yeah. set the tone with like actually having conversations you would be blown away at what you learn about your kids. Yeah, and another takeaway for me is the personal discipline. Myself, yeah. meaning yeah. what do I? What am I portraying to my sons? Yeah. How am I acting? How am I treating their mother? How am I treating my body? How am I treating myself? Am I, you know, getting drunk on the weekend and eating terrible food? Yeah. Or am I taking care of my body? Am I getting up early? Am I disciplined uh -huh. in, what, in my approach to everything? Uh -huh. And that, that bleeds over, in my opinion, as well to your kids. I already noticed my boys, both of them, you know, we have the home gym, wanting to go out there and just hang out with me while yeah. I'm working out. And they yeah. see that. Yep. That's, that's, what, that's the main reason I got a home gym yeah. is, yes, personally, it's, it's easier and it helps me out. Yeah. But I wanted them to see me work hard. Yeah. I want them to see me struggle. I want them to see me push through. And so getting my five, now six-year-old, into, into training uh -huh. is, a, is, in my opinion, is huge. Yeah. It, it does a lot of good things for his physical health, but to me, it's the mental aspect yeah. of it. Yeah. This hurts. This is painful. Push through anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think that translates to a lot of these things that we're yeah. talking about, a lot of these big conversations that we're going to yeah, have. Yeah, there's celebration around that specific type of pain and discomfort, mm -hmm. and that's, that's a right. good thing. You brought up the one thing about, like, how you treat their mom. Mm -hmm. Like, with girls, dads, if you want to avoid – your daughter, and this is maybe is super cliche and a lot of people say it, but like if you want to avoid your daughter like falling into a trap, being taken advantage of, dating some, you know, piece of trash dude, mm -hmm. you don't have to walk her through the checklist of the things that you expect the guy that she dates to have. Right. Like she'll know it. She already knows what I'll the checklist it. is because of what how she sees you treat their mom. So, like, it's a pretty simple deal. So be very aware of that. Be very aware of, of your interactions with your spouse in the house. Or uh, just all the time. Just all the time. Mm, that's you, right. It, it's not only, hey, I'm respecting her, but you're respecting their, your kids and what kind of standards they set for what a marriage should look like. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, it's, it's daunting. It's intimidating at times. But I tell people... Uh, and and I'm, I don't think I'm just trying to trick myself. I really do believe this. Uh, and I mentioned this before, a coworker of ours a couple months back said, man, I don't know how people raise kids these days because our kids are a lot older. Yeah. So I don't know how parents are going to do it. And yes, there is a way, there is a lot of aspects, yeah. a lot of big scary things out there, but I see it as a, as a challenge and I see it as an, a, something that I'm excited yeah. to take on again that might be naive and I'm, it's you know everything sounds good and the, and the air conditioning you know the night before the storm but yeah. I am excited that I get the opportunity mm -hmm. I've been gifted the opportunity 
to raise children in potentially the hardest today culture in yeah. history yeah. from the standpoint of yeah the challenges that they face Mental challenge, That's societal right. challenges. Yeah, because not I mean, physical. Obviously, yeah. we're not dealing with you know disease you know, and death, disease, and war, right, all that right. stuff. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's, it's don't want to downplay you know those spiritual kids and mental were, warfare. Those kids that were born in the early 1900s. <laughs> yeah. Did you yeah. see that thing Rogan posted? Yes. Was this that is the craziest deal. Yeah. yeah, like somebody born in like 1906. Um, and all the things that they've seen. All the things yeah. that they've seen in life. Yep. Yep. Yes. Anybody born basically when we were born. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And after has not really seen anything major in their life. Yeah. And so, yeah, the the warfare is different. Yeah. It's mental. Yeah. It's a lot more because we're losing senses of purpose. What was it? U.S. Vietnam was what, 60,000 Americans that lost their lives in Vietnam? I don't remember. And that was awful. Yeah. Like, awful. But now you go back to like World War One and World War World War Two, the deadliest war of all time. I mean... That's insane. Well, think about how we treated the vid, because if we say the full word, we'll get yeah. banned on YouTube. Yeah. You'll have think a about banner. how we treated that. And again, serious, yeah. not not downplaying it, but the Spanish flu and how many people that yeah. killed. Yes. I mean, and, and just how we approached this whole yeah. last three years. Yeah. Again, it's just, you only know, and again, this is the most obvious statement ever, and actually Joe Rogan says this all the time. The hardest thing you've ever done is the hardest thing you've ever done. Yeah. So that's all you have to compare it to. Yeah. If the pandemic was the hardest thing you've ever been through, yes, from some people, the perspective, that wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. But for others, that's the worst thing that they've ever been through. Yeah. And so, again, it's there's a lot of challenges in 2022. You're going to deal with a lot of different things that maybe our parents didn't have to deal with that's in right. raising us. 2023, golly. However... I'm excited to yeah. take on that challenge. I'm excited that we're the guinea pig generation. We're That's gonna right. get to raise a group of kids if we do it the right way, if we're proactive. Be different. That are gonna be different. Yeah. And they're gonna set up their kids in a much better yeah. way than potentially what we're headed right That's now. Right. And so then that's up to us. That's up to how we act personally. It's how we raise our kids. And so Anyway, um, hope you guys enjoyed that. If you did, please help us by sharing the podcast. You know, the easiest, best way, the best marketing for us is by you texting this to a friend. If you've got some friends out there that are young parents and they, they may find this uh, conversation helpful, go, go shoot it to them. Uh, we're going to start a series. It may not be next week, but hopefully in the, the week after. Uh, we're going to dive into the question, is America still or is America the greatest country in the world? Ooh. And we're going to dive into the different components that lead into creating a great nation, which is, you know, education, wealth, all that good thing. Mm. Yeah, Tyler's wearing a nice little uh, nice little hoodie today. So hopefully, uh, or, or that'll be a fun, I think that'll be a fun conversation. Because, yeah. again, Darren said it all the time. We've all said it. We believe it. Yeah. This is the greatest country in the world. But I want to dig into the numbers. What do the statistics say? I like it. Um, and, and as part of that, if you want to go listen to an expert, somebody who really knows what they're talking about, uh, Joe Rogan just released an episode with a guy. His name is Peter. Is he the Economist? Uh, yes, it literally just came out on Saturday. What's the guy's name? So we're doing. We're going to be doing a podcast on a podcast. So no, no, our our discussion <laughs> to be different. But this guy, actually, you know, a lot of a lot of discussion is negative on the United States. This yeah. guy actually had. It actually oh, he, made me hopeful. I, I saw some clips. It actually made me was, hopeful. And he was like super, super positive. Yeah. Like, yeah. We have the largest supply. We have mm-hmm. the, we're the largest exporter of yep. food. We're the yep. largest. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually very hopeful. His name is Peter Zihan, Z-E-I-H-A-N. 
Um, and so I actually went in with a bias into this series with we're not the greatest country in the world. But his conversation Who's better though. Actually well and again we're gonna we're gonna dive into education and I know for a fact we're not number one on oh, a no, lot no, of no. things. Yeah, in education. we've known that. We've so known that for a while. There's a lot of components where we're not number one, but there's a lot of components where we are. Yeah. So anyway, I'm we're just like just dive into where that. what other country would you say it would be better to live and raise a family in? Just off the top of my head again before I dive into all the statistics, I know London or the UK has been voted as one of the greatest cities in the world. I mean, there, it just depends on what you value. It depends on what you value. Yeah. And again, we're obviously biased. This is where we've lived our whole life. But yeah. like my parents, if you gave my dad the opportunity, he'd live in Brazil for the rest of his life. Yeah. There's a lot of issues down there, but there's a lot of good things about it too. So yeah. again, I think it's just, it's not like we're going to come up with a conclusion necessarily, but we're just going to go not. through the statistics and just see what it says. You might not. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, uh, that'll be fun to, to dive into that and have some good discussion on that. So anyway, hope you guys enjoyed it again. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Uh, excited about a big 2023. That's right. Um, thank you guys for coming along the ride with us. I'll see you next week.